Well, good morning, Shore Church. My name is Jordan. Uh, I also want to say happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there, as well as all you motherly figures, mothers who have lost, those who this is a difficult time for. We're thinking about you. We love you. I also want to acknowledge that we are recording this morning on the territory of the Coast Salish people, specifically the Musqueam and Tsleil-Tooth Nations. It's been a tough week. Augustine says, my heart will never rest until I find rest in thee. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. We are kicking off a new series called On God's Heart, where myself and other preachers will be pressing into God to see what text he has in store for the Shore Church. But we're certainly in a season of restlessness, a season of fear and anxiety, and not just corporately as the shore, but I imagine individually as well. And with the many trials and uncertainties that we as a church and we as individuals are enduring, my prayer this whole week and my hope and my plea with you is that you would guard your hearts against the path that leads to fear and anxiety. If you look through the history of God's people in the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, every time God is leading his people through something difficult that's going to be huge for their sanctification and growth, you will often find the accompanying commandment, do not fear. Or even, peace be with you. And so this morning, I want to declare to you what the Lord has already said. Whatever you are going through, whatever you are feeling right now, God is saying, do not fear. Not only in regards to what's going on at the shore, but also in regards to the many different things you have going on in your life personally. And so the best way for us to get to the place of not fearing, of not choosing anxiety, is simply to meditate on the words of our Savior Jesus Christ, because he has a lot to say on this topic. And I don't believe that it's a coincidence that God put this text on my heart weeks ago, knowing where we'd be this Sunday. And here's the reality, and this is just the providence of God. This is the last thing that I wrote down before I heard the news about James. But here's the reality. When things don't go the way you think they should, when things don't go the way you imagine them to, they're going exactly how God wants them to. He is infinitely in control. Now, before I get too deep into this, I want to make a clear distinction When I say anxiety, I want to make a distinction between common anxiety and an anxiety disorder because while the core foundations for healing in both begin in the same place, the way we combat the former, common anxiety, is going to differ from those who have been clinically diagnosed because for them it's more of a chronic illness. And I had originally planned to to speak into that a lot more this morning, but 
I felt led in another direction. So I will share a lot of resources and ideas I have on this. Mental illness is really something that's um, important to me and I think about. So I will be sharing that in another platform, maybe a newsletter or video. But I just want to say out of the gate, saying to someone who has been clinically diagnosed, who has an anxiety disorder, saying to them, hey, just don't worry about it. Just don't think about it. It's like saying to someone with a broken leg, just walk it off. How's that going to go? Not well. You can't just ignore the fact that your body is hurting. Like even with a broken leg, you have to take the appropriate measures to care for yourself. So I want to make that distinction. And so I realize that if you have an anxiety disorder, you've been clinically diagnosed, some of what I'm saying won't be so simple to apply. However, I do believe it's where you begin to find healing and help. Now, I don't think it would be shocking for me to say that our culture right now is being devoured and overwhelmed by fear and anxiety. In a New York Times article, we read this. Anxiety is now the most common mental illness in America, affecting an estimated 40 million adults. And that figure doesn't even count the far greater demographic who are garden variety warriors, so us with common anxiety. People who fret when they or someone they know are late, who worry when they hear a siren, who are sure a phone call in the middle of night means someone is dead. The tenuousness of modern life can make anyone feel rotten. And in societal moments like the one we are in, where thousands are losing jobs and homes, our futures are threatened from everything from diminishing retirement funds to global warming to brain tumors, it often feels that we're living in the age of anxiety. And that 40 million figure, that's only talking about adults in America. As someone who spends a lot of time with youth, parents, if you have teenagers, you know that anxiety is consuming that generation. That 40 million is going to skyrocket in the coming years. No one is exempt from anxiety. There's millions who are undiagnosed, who are being devoured by fear and anxiety. It's literally eating up hearts and even killing people. One pastor says, I think the dirty little secret of the Western church is fear and anxiety. How many men and women within our churches have fear and anxiety that is quietly strangling them every single day? And so here we are this morning, and I'm honestly perplexed and overwhelmed by God's providence and divine timing that he had this, this text stirring in my heart well before I knew anything was happening at the shore. And so here we are in this season where if there's ever been a time for fear and anxiety to rear its head in our family, it's now. And so as a preacher, I want to help you get into my heart and know that I desperately do not want us to fall into this. I don't want us to be devoured. I don't want us to be overwhelmed. I don't want us to feel uncertain. And if you think about the implications of fear and anxiety, don't they often lead to sin? I don't want us to forget the love and care our Father has for us. 
Now, when I say anxiety, I I also want to make it clear that I'm not simply talking about difficulties or being troubled because that's part of life, isn't it? Jesus himself, the scriptures say, was troubled to the point of death. That's what Matthew tells us. Before he goes to the cross, he's pleading with his disciples to pray with him because the difficulties of life were so hard, they were pressing in on him. And so life happens circumstances come crashing down, things change, difficult times come into our life, day in and day out, the life just presses on us and we're in a difficult season right now. And really, I believe that that trouble and difficulty can be a friend of sorts because here's what difficult circumstances have done in the lives of God's people. They tap you on the shoulder And they walk you to a point where you have a choice. So trouble, grief, distress come knocking at your door and they take you to a choice in the middle of that trouble to either choose by God's grace to trust in the Lord, trust that he is good and sovereign and is working all things for your good in the midst of that trouble or pain, or you can choose to let your heart wander away from God. Forget that he's sovereign and loving and let your heart be dominated and ruled by anxiety and sure, I don't want us to go that way. And so let's look at what Jesus says about this because the beautiful news this morning is that Jesus Christ loves you. He does not want you to wander down that path towards fear and anxiety. He understands our pain because he's experienced it himself. And so he devotes an entire portion of his teaching to anxiety and he teaches us how to guard against it. And so that's where we are in Matthew 6, 25. We're in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Really, Jesus' most famous teachings. And I'm excited in August, we're going to be going through the very first text of this, the Beatitudes. Now at this point, Jesus has gathered many followers of his, his disciples, if you will, and that's going to be encouraging because the fact that he has to talk to those who are closest with him about anxiety, that tells us that Jesus does not assume that we don't struggle with anxiety, but rather he assumes the opposite, that we will. And he's going to teach us how we get through it by God's grace. And so to set the stage, you can read it later, but the verses right before 19 to 24, Jesus is teaching that for your heart to be dominated and controlled by anxiety, again, not not troubled, not distressed, that's part of life. I'm talking about choosing to let your heart and your life not trust in the Lord's plan and instead worry and be anxious and be controlled by those things. Jesus is saying that exposes the state of your heart. That is a symptom that your heart is being controlled by an idol, turning to something other than God to be God. Most of the time, that's ourselves. And so to summarize, he's teaching that whatever rules your heart will rule your life. And if something other than the Lord Jesus Christ is ruling your heart, you will be anxious. You will fear. You will worry. 
He'll say later in the sermon that it's like building your house on sinking sand. And so that's why Jesus says, make for yourself treasures in heaven. Make your treasure Jesus Christ crucified for you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not the things of this world, not things that seem easy to replace God with because that's going to lead you down the path of fear and anxiety. And so with that said, Jesus, in Matthew 6, 25, he says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And he's going to say that same line three times in the next seven verses. Do not be anxious. And hey, I, I love you. I care about you so much. I know this isn't an easy season. I'm right there with you. Sometimes it's going to take reminding ourselves multiple times of God's goodness. Sometimes it's going to take praying the same thing again and again and again to find healing and strength. That's what Jesus does when he's in the garden. So undoubtedly in this section, this is what Jesus is trying to get across to his followers and take comfort in knowing that these are his closest followers. His inner 12 disciples are there. They're with him every single day. Even they come up against distressing circumstances and they forget that Jesus is in control. And they don't put their trust in him. And so in the midst of their distressing circumstances and in the midst of ours, Jesus, the teacher, the friend, the savior is saying to them and saying to us, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And he's echoing what God has been saying to his people throughout all of history. Do not fear. peace be with you. And maybe it'll help to hear this in a positive tense. So rather than do not be anxious, maybe you need to hear trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. That's his exhortation for us. And you really see Jesus' heart as a loving shepherd here because he's looking at these people and looking at us whom he has compassion for, and he's saying, I know what you're going through is hard. I know. I've been anxious. But you can trust in the Lord. May my peace be with you. And he's going to tell them that the Father is worthy of their trust. And look, if you doubt that for a second, just gaze at the cross and remember what he did for you. That's how you can trust him. He's going to carry on, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And then he asks this heart-penetrating question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, do not be anxious about these things because is not life more than those? 
And so whatever it is that you and I are prone to be anxious about, whether it be the state of our church, whether it be your bank account, your home, your family, your children, whatever it is you are tempted to be anxious about and let anxiety control and rule your heart, Jesus would say to you and I, is not life more than blank, whatever that thing is? It's a rhetorical question. He's saying, is not life more than that? It is, specifically life with Jesus. And he's going to go on and ask another rhetorical question. Verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Here we go. Are you not of more value than they? And he's really beginning to get to the core of our anxiety. He's already said, don't be anxious. No, trust the Father. Life is more than that. And now he's saying, look at the birds. And look, nobody really cares about birds, right? Maybe there's like 1% of you who really cares. So I apologize. But most of us don't care at all about the birds. But here's the thing. The heavenly Father cares deeply for the birds, He provides for them. He faithfully, day in, day out, provides for the birds, gives them everything they need. And you who are his children, you who have been adopted into his family as sons and daughters, if he takes care of the crows and of the pigeons, is he not going to take care of you? Does he not care about you more? Yes, infinitely more. And this is where we really get into the meat of it all because if we're honest, we struggle to believe that. We struggle to fully accept it. We may know that theologically, we may say it out loud to other people, but at the bottom of our hearts, we really struggle in those moments where we have the choice to lean on God, to trust in the Lord, and the choice to wander off and let our hearts be ruled by fear and anxiety because we can't fully believe that he cares for us and that he's in control. We struggle to believe that he really does care for his children. But he does. The Father cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says you can cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He knows food is needed. He knows clothing is needed. He knows what's going on in your life. And he loves you insurmountably more than the birds. And we just read that he loves the birds and provides everything they need for them. And then he's going to ask another practical question, verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And so not only has he said, okay, don't be anxious because life is more than that, and you can look all around you at the birds and creation and see that it's screaming at you how much God cares for his children, but now he's saying anxiety, fear, worry doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't add anything positive to your life. 
It doesn't change anything that's happened, anything out of your control. It may give you a false sense of control because you're so invested and worried about it, but it doesn't help. Every second you spend in anxiety and worry, you are missing opportunities to pursue things of true value. You are wasting the limited time you have here on earth. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying you add nothing of value to your life by being caught up in fear and anxiety. He goes on, verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory. Now, if you don't know who Solomon is, he was the king of Israel, really at the height of Israel's power and wealth. And he was a king who, was, who famously got and built whatever he wanted. And so even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. And here he is again, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those who don't know God, the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, in the midst of everything that's happened this last week, verse 32 has really taken on a new life and really penetrated my heart. Because what Jesus Christ just said was, when you worry, when you don't trust his plans, when you're anxious, when you fear, you act like someone who doesn't know me. Because that's how the Gentiles lived. They were a group of people who did not have a heavenly father who did not accept Jesus as their savior, as the one who died in their place so that we might have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And when we fear and worry, Jesus is saying we deny that same truth. And so Jesus is leaning into his followers here, leaning in towards you and I. And he's saying, but you you who know you have a heavenly father who cares for you, who has been in control from the very beginning, you have nothing to fear. Nothing that has ever happened in the history of the world has been a surprise to him. There's nothing that isn't a part of his perfect sovereign will. He is, always has been, in complete control. And I could show you countless texts on this. I'm just going to show you three. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called, what? According to his purpose. 
Colossians 1, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Isaiah 45, God says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. He is in complete control. The future isn't just something he knows about. It's somewhere that he is. And he loves the birds and the grass and all of creation, but he loves you infinitely more. You might remember back in our series on 2 Corinthians, I preached a sermon where we talked about one of the areas where we should look different from the rest of the world, and that being money. The way we view and spend our money should mark us different from unbelievers. Well, what Jesus Christ just said to us is that anxiety is another one of those areas. He's saying, do not be anxious because that's what unbelievers choose. That's what unbelievers choose who do not have a good, loving father, but you do. You can trust in him. You can trust in his goodness. You can trust in his sovereignty. And again, if that is hard to grasp, then trust in the fact that he provided the greatest act of love in history when he died on the cross for you to save you from your sins. You can trust in that savior. And are we going to struggle? Absolutely. Are we going to grieve? Yes, I'm grieving right now. Will we be troubled? Of course. Are we going to have days where it feels like the weight of the world is against us and we struggle to remember God's goodness? Yeah. But Jesus is saying, trust in the Lord. And in the midst of perhaps the most difficult time in the shore church's history, wherever you may land on everything, I'm not trying to convince you one way or another. I'm just trying to tell you that Jesus is saying to you right now, trust in the Lord. That should mark us. Let's finish the text. Verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So what do we seek after then? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Now, I'll be honest, it's been a really hard week. My soul has felt so pressed upon 
I've had a hard time sleeping. And I want you to know that in the midst of wrestling with all of this individually, I've never stopped thinking about you and praying for you and seeking guidance from the Lord on how to help guide you through this. And I've thought a lot this week about the collective anxiety that we have as the shore, the collective fear and worry of everyone tuning in right now, obviously much maybe directed towards one thing, but I know there's a lot of other things going on in people's lives. Life is hard. It can be overwhelming. And I know for some of you, like you struggle just to get out of bed this morning and turn this thing on. And can I say to you that I maybe may only know to an extent how you feel, but, but Jesus knows with complete confidence every emotion you're feeling right now. He knows because he's been through it himself. He went through it so he could sit next to you and say, I know, trust in me. And I'll just, I'll just lay it all out there, but... Preaching a sermon carries a lot of weight in itself. Knowing that, you know, I'm going to have to stand in front of God and give an account one day for everything I say. And so that's always weighty. But let me tell you about the anxieties that I've felt this week. I felt an insurmountable pressure knowing that I was going to be preaching the first message after everything that's gone down. I felt anxiety thinking that you're going to look at me like Jordan's just trying to replace James or I was in anxiety thinking about how you're going to have your magnifying glasses out and just like picking apart everything I say. And I've been restless. And I've been numb. And the path that leads to anxiety and fear has looked really appealing to me. And I've even taken a few steps down it. But by God's grace, he's helped me to trust in him through this. And ultimately realize that I I can't control what you think about me. And ultimately, I just want people to know Jesus. I'm not trying to replace anyone. I just want you to know Jesus. I'm going to continue to do that the best I can. Whatever you think about me is whatever you think. It's, it's out of my control. Ultimately, I trust in the Lord, and he's helped me through this so much. I find my hope in him. And I know for some of you, this hasn't just been a tough week. This has been a tough month or years it's been hard for you, whatever you've been dealing with. And if that's you, I want you to know that there's another path, that there's hope, that the same power that raised Jesus from death is alive and at work in you to strengthen you and lead you on the path to trust in him. But I get it. I get that it's not that simple. It's not that easy. It's not just getting off one path and hopping on another. It's not that easy. And so so what do we do? How do we do this? 
because so often we quietly make our way down the path towards anxiety and no one knows we're going there. And maybe you've been on that path for so long that you don't even recognize that you're there. And so I don't have any like tacky, creative five-step process or three S's to freedom. But there are a few things we can consider in those moments when the Holy Spirit leads us to the place where we really do have the choice to choose to trust the Lord or to wander off into anxiety. And if you're there right now, if you're being dominated and controlled and ruled by anxiety, here's what I would say. Don't put a Band-Aid on it. Don't look for a temporary fix. Get to the heart of it. See, we as human beings have the tendency to sweep things under the rug, to turn up the noise elsewhere, to turn to the bottle, to turn to lust, to turn to ourselves. And what we're really after when we do that is for the pain to go away. And so we ignore it. And maybe that works for a little bit. And so we're brought to this point where God shows us that there is a remedy right in front of us where all we have to do is trust in him, but we don't want to trust in him more. We just want the pain to go away. And so instead we decide to medicate our anxiety and never get to the root of it. And I don't mean medicate by by taking medication, though that can be something we turn to. And that's not bad. It's only bad if you're looking to medication to be your savior. But we medicate in a multitude of ways. We medicate with relationships, codependency, drinking, watching TV. We medicate through working out. And that's not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just wrong if you're looking for that to save you. And so, yeah, go exercise, work out. That's obviously good for you. But after you work out, sit down with the Lord. Ask him to reveal to you what the idols are in your heart that are causing you to be anxious. Don't put a band-aid on it. Don't turn up the noise. Get to the heart of it. And then here's where we have to start by admitting that you really do have a problem. And I know this is a wildly unpopular idea because maybe we think that that makes us look less spiritual. It makes us look weak, which is completely negating the fact that Paul says in 2 Corinthians that when we are weak, we are actually strong because God is working through our weakness. The weaker we are, the more room there is for God to work and display his power in us. And so if you want to get to the heart of it, you have to admit that you have a problem. And then once you're there, ask the Holy Spirit and he will be faithful to hear and reveal what is leading you into anxiety. And then lay those things before the cross. Repent of those things and say, I'm going to replace those lies with the truth of how much God cares for me. I'm going to meditate on the scriptures because they remind me about God's character, God's sovereignty, God's goodness, and his love for me. Holy Spirit, reveal to me why. Where does my heart not believe that you love me? 
and you're going to take care of me. What idol in my heart is causing me not to trust you? And so corporately, as we're, we're working through this season, if you're sitting in fear and anxiety, don't just medicate it. Don't busy yourself. Guard yourself from throwing blame for why you feel the way you do. Get to the heart of it. Sit down. Work with the Lord with the help of other faithful men and women and ask, why, Lord, am I being controlled by this? You can pray, Lord, help me. Reveal to me where I can trust you more. Lord, things aren't going the way I thought they should. This isn't how I imagined things to be, but you say that you're sovereign. You say you're working things for our good. Help me to see that. Show me what's keeping me from seeing that. Help me trust you more. Help me have you as someone who I can cast my anxieties upon because you care for me. And then the other thing, which I subtly mentioned, you don't have to. You were never designed to do this alone. Confess this to a brother or sister and say, I need help. And if you're in this place where you're being ruled by anxiety, you can't do it by yourself. I know our culture would say to the contrary that you can, but you can't. We weren't made to do it alone. And can we love one another like that? Can we proactively come alongside one another in this? Can we stand out in this area to the world as well? Where we humbly admit fear and worry and we in love come alongside one another even if even if we don't agree on some things. Can we love like that? Call me delusional. Call me unrealistic. But I believe we can sacrificially love one another even if we don't agree on things. And I have proof. Because I know with confidence that Jesus loves me. And I was an enemy of Jesus before he found me. I wanted nothing to do with him. I didn't agree with a word he said. And even when I was against him, he loved me. Can we love each other like that? And if you're alone, I would encourage you to get in a community group. Email me. I'd love to get you connected or chat with you. You can't do it alone. If you do, you'll, you'll sit quietly in anxiety 
continue to convince yourself it's not that big of a deal and you'll just medicate and medicate and medicate without ever choosing the path that leads to freedom and joy. I don't know if you realize it, but the greatest influence in your life is yourself. And we need people to remind us that there's a better path. And guarding against anxiety, this is a daily grind. So don't hear me saying, hey, just hop off this path, then hop on this one, watch some birds, and you'll be all better. No, this is a grind. This is a process. You might have to hear Jesus say, do not be anxious way more than three times. But if you start today, if you start this morning, you can look back on May 9th, 2021, a few weeks from now, a few months from now, a few years from now, and you can say, I'm way further along than I was then. I trust God way more than I did then. It's not going to be painless. It's probably not going to be quick. But God is faithful. God is in control. (laughs) I'm going to finish with an excerpt from John Piper's book. You guys can come on up. This is from What Jesus Demands of the World, talking about this exact text we're in. He says, There have been kings who find it very effective to keep their subjects in constant anxiety. If the people are anxious about their life and worry about where their next meal is coming from, then perhaps they will be more willing to do the king's bidding in order to get the food they need from the king's storehouse. Anxiety keeps them in their place, fear makes the monarchy firm. But one of the greatest things about Jesus is that he does not want his people to be anxious. He does not secure his kingship by cultivating anxiety. On the contrary, the aim of Jesus' kingship is to free us from anxiety. He doesn't need to keep us anxious in order to establish his power and superiority. They are untouchable and invincible Instead, he exalts his power and superiority by working to take away our anxiety. Jesus is saying this morning, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. Trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. Let's pray. So God, we just, oh, we need your help. Jesus, we thank you that you care about us. That you know we struggle with this, which is why you teach us about it. But we confess that we cannot do this alone. We cannot get off this path that leads to anxiety without you, without your help. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters watching right now with whatever they're, they're wrestling with, whatever crossroads has led them to this point where they have the choice to choose to trust in you 
or choose to wander into anxiety, Lord, I pray that you would give them the knowledge and the strength and the courage to choose you, to trust in you, God. We confess that we often forget that you are good, that you care for us, that you're in control, that you have a plan for us. And I thank you for the cross, that in the midst of us continually not choosing you, you take us back again and again because you love us. And so I pray for for boldness for my brothers and sisters to just do the the painful yet beautiful work of self-examination to see where they aren't trusting in you. And may you lead us on a path that leads to freedom and joy, a path that sits in your peace, a path that trusts in you. We love you. We need you. We pray these things in your beautiful name. Amen.